I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. Like a doll's eyes. I love this town! <laughs> Hello, city! Welcome back to our listeners to our third week of many episodes of what to stream as we're all locked inside our houses or in a Cody's case, still going to work because there aren't those essential personnel. Yay. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the third week we're, we're putting these out and uh, it's been a lot of fun kind of streaming through and find out what everyone else has been watching. And uh, so we're just, you know, looking at stuff that's uh, out there either for, you know, one of the various streaming sites, depending on what you have. And uh, of course, if you're watching and have recommendations for us uh, to watch as we're stuck inside, please send them on over. We always like to hear that as well. Uh, and so for anyone who might be coming through the first time, probably should introduce yourself so we know who's who. Uh, I'm Bob. Cody. Kim. Oh. Tony. <laughs> This is harder when we're not sitting around a table and order yeah. is obvious. When you just go around, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's, what's clockwise to me is not clockwise to you. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you guys are a different order for me than they are for you, probably. Completely mm-hmm. uh, and utterly. But just before we uh, <laughs> talk about the, uh, our particular titles for this week, we do want to note that uh, we, have, yeah, we have this regular podcast and probably do a regular episode here in the coming weeks. Uh, regular full topic. That'd be fun to do. Uh, and then we're also, uh, we have our side podcast, The Worst Movie of the Year. Uh, every Coming out every Sunday, uh, featuring a different group every week for a different bad movie. But this week might actually feature all four of us. Uh, <gasps> what? We're yeah. recording Sunday, right? <laughs> at, right? Yeah, for Sunday with uh, The Haunting of Sharon Tate. So uh, check out that. Sunday. <laughs> it's streaming on Prime. Uh, I'm going to put this up on Thursday. Uh, Friday. Today is Thursday. I'm putting this up on Friday, so if you're listening to this the day that it comes up, you have two days, but you know it's a podcast, so you can listen to things in any order at any time. So you pop over to uh, Prime, watch Hunting of Sharon Tate, and join us on Sunday for that. I'm still healing up my arm wound from when I watched Vampire Suck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kim, you were also uh, on another, guesting at someone else's podcast. Do you want to talk about that at all? I was. Uh, I was on Jennifer Lovely's podcast, uh, Don't Read the Latin. We were talking about uh, a horror film that that shaped me in my formative years and then one more recently. So uh, I'm not sure <coughs> when that's releasing, but I think relatively soon. Yeah, I'm so, not sure uh, what, what their dates are, but uh, check out Don't Read the Latin to find Kim over there and we'll post mm-hmm. it on our our own pages on Facebook and on our cityofgeek.com. So you can find that there, along with everything else we we look at. Mm -hmm. Um, For Don't Read the Latin, but check out them out on uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, So uh, now that housekeeping and plugs for our friends. Uh, So it's also mentioned uh, Strange Eons Radio, who we stole from. Yes, yes, yes. Of uh, listening, because they're uh, they're talking about whatever they're doing. And uh, I think, Tony, uh, you're doing something on Friday, right? For uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be accessible after Friday, which I hope uh, so because I'm going to watch tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there is a uh, virtual film festival going on called uh, Couchathon. 
-hmm. and uh, it's uh, the organization is it's the Calchathon uh, mm -hmm. Film and Music Festival, and uh, basically it has been formed as a fundraiser for gig workers in the Pacific Northwest film industry. So, and what it's going to be is a virtual panel, a virtual Crypticon panel uh, for an hour, uh, with Speaking of strange eons, Eric Morgret and Vanessa Williams, uh, also filmmaker Becky Sayers is going to be sitting in, and I'll be moderating, and um, how completely and utterly apropos of what the topic will be, apocalyptic cinema. So, uh, yeah, that'll be uh, tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Pacific as as uh, we recite this, and that, so that's Friday, May 29th. Uh, and it streams at uh, 6 o'clock p.m. Hopefully, there will be some uh, sort of way to archivally pick it up. Um, if not, I apologize for plugging something that no longer exists. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's what's going down in my universe. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so for what we've been uh, watching, is anyone going to give their, their first recommendation for this week? I'll throw one out there. All right, go for it. Uh, I am going to recommend a movie called Splinter from 2008. Uh, it's a, a movie basically about um, a, a, a couple who gets uh, attacked by a <laughs> kind of an interesting creature. And I watched this for the first time. I did it for 100 Days of Horror a number of years ago. Um, but I, I was really surprised. It's, it's a fast watch. It's, it's, I think, 80 minutes or so. Uh, the the, the one in the gas station, right? Yeah, in the gas station. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty simple setup. It's not reinventing the wheel, but the practical effects are pretty cool it's fast-paced um it doesn't really take itself super seriously it's just it's a lot of fun it's a good quick watch it's the kind of thing that's that's fun to watch with other people uh it's not it's again it's it's not a deep movie but it is thoroughly entertaining and it's one that i find has not been on a lot of people's radars but it's a really solid film and it's worth a watch. Uh, what is uh, what's it about for anyone who might not be aware? I, I mean, again, it's it's a. I don't want to give too much away, and there's not a whole lot to the premise. It's it's uh, you know, a uh, uh, couple people end up at a gas station and uh, being stalked by this creature. Um, and I feel like saying much more than that is gonna kind of give away the rest of the plot uh i do like the fact that they did a master splinter uh prequel film before the new team <laughs> <laughs> no i uh i enjoy the hell of this movie too like i remember writing it a couple years ago and i i think i bought it from uh from half price for like two bucks like two or yeah. three back too uh i haven't rewatched it since then but i remember being very impressed it's um, on, what it's they did. on Tubi too, so you can watch it for free. It's on Tubi, uh, Voodoo, and Hoopla. And Hoopla oh, it is on Hoopla. All for free and Magnolia mm -hmm. uh, for subs. Um, and then rentable for a few bucks from a couple different places too, based upon Just Watch app, which is a wonderful app that I've been using every time we talk about things. Just Watch will tell you where, whatever streaming, wherever. So check that out, guys. Uh, well, and, and I, I will say the, the creature design specifically is really cool um 
the the kind of uh, parasitic weird porcupine-ish <laughs> like it's it's uh really really fun and it, it's such a fast watch it's such a fast watch so if you it's want something hmm? it's only 82 minutes long yeah and it moves quickly too it, it's a it, it moves real fast so if you're looking for just something that's kind of fun uh it's a good like friday night watch to to uh, end of a long week sort of thing i i recommend it it's a good time cool yeah and uh tony what uh what's the first thing you want to offer for us this week uh, well, um, as you know, uh, because I uh, wrote an article for cityofgeek.com, I uh, imbibed in a lot of Star Wars ripoffs, which are some of these uh, some of the internationally produced films that came in the wake of the original Star Wars: uh, A New Hope. Uh, everyone and their sisters, best friends, tennis coaches, rabbi decided to do a movie that was a space opera at that time. And the thing is that a lot of these are actually I I profiled five of them in the article, um, but they were all a lot of fun and uh, and genuinely entertaining. Um, the best of the lot, which is streaming now on Amazon Prime, and also I, I think you can find a copy, a pretty good copy on YouTube, uh, is Battle Beyond the Stars, which is a 1980 American uh, knockoff of Star Wars that instead of ripping off uh, Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, it rips off Kurosawa's Seven Samurai uh, with, a, with a little side journey of ripping off a little bit of Magnificent Seven, too. Um, the setup's pretty basic. Uh, you have a planet full of pacifists uh, that are threatened with uh, conquest and colonization and possible annihilation by an evil, sadistic, um, uh, galactic emperor named Sador, who is played by the great John Saxon. Uh, and uh, it is uh, beholden upon the uh, one of the young people of this planet, uh, a character named Shad, who is played by an uh, actor named Richard Thomas, who you would remember from the original It miniseries. He has one of the parts as one of the adults in the original It miniseries. He was also a big star on the now forgotten but once hugely, hugely popular TV series, The Waltons from the 70s. Um, but he's the one who's tasked to go and uh, gather up a motley crew of warriors to help defend this planet and help save them from the evil Emperor Sador. Um, I, it's a lot of fun and it's largely entertaining because, first of all, it's got a very funny and smart script. It's written by John Sayles, who, if you don't know John Sayles' work, he actually has had quite the reputation as a... I guess you'd call him an art house director. He made Lone Star, which is amazing. Uh, he wrote scripts for several uh, genre movies throughout the 80s, including The Howling and Alligator. And all of those are characterized by kind of a wry sense of humor and actually a really good handle on developing characters and integrating that humor really well. And this movie is a classic example of that. Uh, you have George Papard sort of doing a dry run as Hannibal from uh, the A-Team. He's sort of like... He's sort of like a variation of Hannibal, kind of, you know, boozes it up, smokes a, smokes a cigarillo instead of a cigar, but it's, it's Hannibal, basically. He's playing Hannibal. Um, you've got Robert Vaughn playing the exact same fucking role that he did in The Magnificent Seven, only in a spaceship. Uh, it's just a lot of fun and very entertaining, moves very quickly, and it's one of those movies where you'll watch it and you'll be like, oh, I know that person and that person and that person because there are all these character actors in the periphery and it's just a blast 
So that was, that was fun. Uh, go to cityofgeek.com for more details on that. Um, that's a mild tangent. Uh, one of the things that I did watch uh, recently that I was really super pleased with and had a lot of fun with getting back to Kim's Hole, you know, just watching something that's fast-paced and fun is Demons 2. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Lamberto Bava's follow-up to Demons. And uh, it is essentially a remake of the first one. It's basically, it's, it's instead of taking the confined setup of a, uh, a viral demon attack happening in a movie theater, this viral demon attack happens in an apartment complex. And otherwise it goes through many of the many similar beats, um, but it's still, uh, the formula from the first one still works really well. Uh, it's also peopled with a great soundtrack. Uh, the soundtrack for the first Demons kind of leans more towards kind of heavy metal and hard rock. Um, this one leans towards a lot of kind of gothic and alternative music. And so uh, you get a little bit of a change up on the soundtrack. You also get a reappearance by Tony the Pimp as uh, Tony <laughs> the uh, Hell yeah. trainer, you know? That, was that your nickname in high school? Uh, and it's yes. Thank you. And it's, and yeah, I just was really pleasantly surprised with how fast it moved, how much, just how much good popcorn popping fun it was. Uh, and that is streaming currently on, uh, on Shudder right now. That's where I watched it. Uh, I have some other stuff, but I think I'll, I'll, uh, you know, forfeit so that someone else can yak on a little bit. I do know that I did uh, listen to uh, John Sales talk a little bit today, and uh, this isn't my recommendation because these are, are pay rentals, but uh, I watched the first two volumes of um, Time Warp, uh, volume one and two, this new series uh, of feature length, uh, looking at different uh, cult and uh, cult films. Uh, so he, ta he talked about a brother from another planet oh, uh, right. um, for a little bit on, on the second volume, I think. Yeah, which is a great, which is a great movie. I'd I'd love to watch that again. Need to check I actually out. haven't seen it. That was uh, so I'm looking forward to watching it. I'll listen to him and Jim Morton and a couple other people talk about it uh, in regards in regards to that film. Which I wanted to uh, just I was going to post to you guys that I suggest you watch that because uh, but it is a pay pay rental, so it's nothing to officially push out for. I had another comment on something you talked about, but I can't remember what now. <laughs> but I did uh, on your star on your on your article about the Star Wars ripoffs. I I do feel bad because I uh, I shared it before reading it, so I, I focused on Star Crash and all the all the times I shared it. <laughs> then I was like, oh, wait, it's five different. Titles. You know what? That's okay because it's uh, you know people read it. I'm assuming that they and if they would have read it hoping for exclusively something about Star Crash, they would have had to get through other movies that are described to get to star crash. So they would have gotten the fact that it's about like five different star Wars ripoffs from all over the world that came out within a two year span, two or three year span after the originals. So yeah, but Hey, no problem. I'm glad people read it. Yeah. Got it. Got a good, a good, good traction. So I was just happy Yay. for that. Yay. Who's got something else, man. Uh, Cody, do you want to go? Yeah, go for it. I will. Um, I haven't been watching too much, but I will just go through what's available on Shudder. And I am—I I will never not talk about this movie. Um, and that's The Beyond. That is still streaming on Shudder. Uh, nice. Love, love, love The Beyond. Part gory ghost flick, part zombie movie. All pretty much... i, I it, It's Lucio Fulci's best film that he ever did i would agree to that i mean yeah. it's it's really 
like you know even if, like his is uh, his you know his gates of hell trilogy here is other than zombie are his best flicks but the beyond is quite simply his his art masterpiece it is his best beyond film. the rest yeah, fuck off. Cool. All right, I'll I'll drop some acid in my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, you're preaching to the choir, as you know. You know, I'm. You know, we're we're both like brothers in our Italian cinema geekhood here, oh. and yeah, I, one of the things I love, I think it's one of those movies where it's it's inherent schizophrenia actually works in its favor because it oscillates between these incredibly lyrical and dreamlike passages and these just gut-wrenchingly visceral gore scenes and in in any other movie with that kind of vast shift uh it would not work it would be a liability but it's actually an asset i think in the beyond because it contributes to the dreamlike quality that Fulci's reaching for it's yeah i yeah great choice man i i i watch that like every couple months i'll I'll pull it out and spin it because of course i have i have the dvd and uh i i need to catch it again i need to watch it again it's a it's a movie worth revisiting for sure oh yeah i have the the 4k blu-ray cut that uh grindhouse releasing did a few years ago oh so good it was supposed to be may's uh friday night frights at the blue mouse theater in tacoma Um, yeah i'm not bitter about that at all bob thanks for reminding me i know but i I just want to say that like uh you know right now no theaters are open but a lot of theaters are struggling to get everything paid so uh if the money that you normally spend to go buy a movie ticket if you have a few bucks to spare uh you know get a gift card or something through your local theater to help help them along the way I bought I bought two for the Ark Lodge, my local theater. Uh, so when they come back, uh, yeah, it's pre pre made movies. Uh, but wherever you are, uh, if you if you love your local theater, uh, look to see what they're offering up uh, to try and keep keep them afloat until everything reopens. Cool. True. I mean, it's gonna. It might even sink like the big ones. If it's gonna, if it can sink AMC, it sure as hell can sink anything. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we can always keep our fingers crossed that um, the indies will be able to stay alive. I do know that a lot of these, um, and somewhere we should actually probably link it. I did an article actually uh, right after the pandemic closed everything down about a lot of like local indie theaters and how you could help them out. And I, I'll try and remember to post it or something so that anybody who's at City of Geek can look at it and, and see if there's a theater it's somewhere in the greater Seattle or even Tacoma area that, that they can maybe give a hand to like you, like you did about buying a gift card or, or merchandise or, uh, you know, uh, something along those lines. Um, and then uh, I'll go into my, my first pick, which is not quite horror, but it's very close to because uh, of how ugly and weird that it is. I'm looking at 1991's Nothing But Trouble. Maybe it's 1990, <laughs> uh, which is streaming on Tubi. Uh, it, uh, some, I thought someone said something there. Um, yeah. Written and directed by Dan Aykroyd. I think it's written by his brother Peter as well, uh, based on an idea that they had. And this is an ugly, ugly movie, but it's so entertaining and just how god-awful it is. All the awful choices they made. Uh, it's full of weird non sequitur bits. And uh, every time you think you can't go any further down this path of nastiness, looks like we lost Kim for a second. Uh, it then gets deeper and deeper. And I saw it for the first time about two months ago. And I was like, just blown away by how God awfully entertaining it was. I know it's, it's talk about, you know, recommendations, but I do want to recommend this, you know, that this awful movie, cause it's so good and it's badness. Um, I was thinking about it recently because I saw it on Tubi and then it was, that's where it's streaming. And then I was looking through upcoming movies for upcoming options for um, worst movie of the year to know what 
each year is. And that was, that was it's for, for its year, like 1990 is what came out. Uh, but for those who might not be aware, it has Chevy Chase and Demi Moore as uh, some people trying to get out of the city, uh, out of New York, because they're being hunted down. Uh, though no, everything that leads them to leave the town doesn't matter at all in the course of the film. And they end up in this piece of shit little town and um, in somewhere in New Jersey, I think. And it's a backwards town run by Dan Aykroyd and this really thick makeup as this like hundred year old judge. Um, I think Kim's messaging us. Yes. Uh, yeah. Her internet is quote, being a dick, unquote. So we're sorry that your internet is being a dick, Kim. That sucks. Hopefully she'll be able to rejoin us at some point. Pardon the unintended pun. Um, yeah, you know, that's interesting. I have heard I, I have heard so many things about that movie. I've never had, had the opportunity slash compunction to want to actually watch it. But uh, I've heard people championing it as some sort of like, you know, overlooked black comedy or something. Oh, yeah. it's a very dark comedy. When it's like uh, it, it slides into horror with this how nasty it looks points there's a there's a point with these giant seven foot man babies played by um dan Aykroyd uh and someone else it's supposed to be john candy but john candy wouldn't do a third role because he's in two different roles in this uh and he said no i'm not getting into that that's too far uh so but these they come in like about an hour into this like you know 90 minute long movie and this point it's already crazy enough as it is and this next thing happens that's what keeps going it's the next thing it's the next thing it's just wild because they um the entire like so they get pulled over by john candy who's playing yeah playing a cop there and it's this really insular town like that you find a lot of like small areas in the south where like the judge and the cops and everyone's all the same family and they get put in front of this this old ass judge in this giant house of horrors this hh holmes type house uh but it looks like a hoarder's house too and they have all sorts of weird adventures that they try and get the hell out of it uh through this junkyard and it's wild i don't want to ruin any particular moment uh but the, the production design is absolutely insane uh you think at some point somebody like uh dan can can no no but he's just going he's just going everyone's on, on board and it's weird it's like it's it's ugly yet incredibly compelling <laughs> wow cody have you seen nothing but trouble no I'm, i i recommend it so. <laughs> it sounds it sounds very unpleasant yeah, it's, am, it's, it's, it's am, good and pleasant, which is strange. It's morbidly, it's weird, it's morbidly both curious. Yeah. Great at the same time. And, yeah. I'm kind of curious, too, now. I think we should all, we should all like, you know, burn eucalyptus leaves and, and you know, offer a prayer to the, to the dark goddess that Kim will get her uh, internet back. And in the meantime, uh, gee, um, I'll talk about another thing that I watched yeah, that was really... Um, that I was fascinated by. Again, this kind of falls in the, in the category, like you mentioned, Bob, of fascinating, but kind of repugnant movies. Um, I watched the driller killer. Uh, not oh, driller killer. Yeah. I, which is absolutely fascinating. I it's, it was my first time seeing it and I'm a big fan of the director. Uh, Abel Ferrara has done some 
great movies. Yeah, I like his version of Body Snatchers. Yeah, his ver- I actually do too. Um, I also, I think uh, the movie he made right after this, Miss 45, is an excellent exploitation movie. Just really well directed. Uh, he also directed uh, King of New York, which is one of the best of kind of those 90s crime films. The great Christopher Walken performance. Uh, he also directed a, uh, he directed Bad Lieutenant with Harvey Keitel, which is excellent. Um, he's quintessentially New York. And uh, this movie was his movie debut. It was, it was his debut as a director. And uh, as you can gather from the title, you know, there's, there's a guy who kills people with a drill. Uh, but what's really interesting about it is that it is very artsy. It is artsy and pretentious as hell. In fact, um, for most people, they'll probably get really impatient with it because the first hour is basically all of the contributory factors that turn this guy into a driller killer. And the title role is played by Ferrara himself. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting because most of his kills, they're, well, I mean, he's using a drill, so you're figuring there's definitely a sexual angle to this. And there sort of is, except almost all of the people that he kills are um, homeless people and they're male. And it's very interesting that he really get, there's obviously some real sexual connotations when he's like attacking these poor homeless people and putting power drills through their midriffs and their heads and stuff. Uh, And it's pretentious as hell. The first hour, like it drags like molasses uphill, but then the last half hour, it, picks up greatly and you start to kind of get used to his aesthetic because it is it it is very it's it's very rough it feels very new york and that's one of the really cool things about it is it's it's like getting a bird's eye view of new york back when 42nd street was still you know the grindhouse capital of the universe and an utter pit and den of iniquity And, and you're getting a really interesting look at it from that vantage point um the gore effects are quite good for their time uh, now the only place that I the place that I saw it was on Amazon Prime. Where is that? Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if it's streaming anywhere else. Uh, I do know that there's a Blu-ray of it. I think Arrow uh, Video has a Blu-ray of it. If you want to watch a quality print of it, you're really going to have to look somewhere besides the Amazon print because the print that's on Amazon looks like it was transferred from a VHS, a bad pan and scan VHS copy. And there are entire pass- passages, and I don't know if this is intentional or not, there are entire passages of the movie where you get like literally two minutes of a nothing but a red screen, a blank red screen. You don't see anything else. You hear some dialogue, you know, like the movie's still going on, but you see a blank screen. And I don't know. Someone's wrong with your streaming at that point, or I don't know. Well, I no, no, it, it definitely wasn't because I rewound it, you know, oh, and, okay. I, and I looked at it and it, it's definitely, it was definitely something with the transfer. And I don't know if it was a censored VHS print. I mean, who knows? Maybe they got it from Britain during the height of the yeah. video nasties era. And there's like some stuff that's cut out of it. And that's like, you know, basically blanked out with a, with a red screen. But I have a want, burned disc of it that a friend gave me years ago that I haven't actually watched. I should pop in and take a look. I'd be curious because there are a couple of key scenes where it literally just, you hear dialogue and, and music and sound effects and stuff, but it just, you don't see anything. And I don't know if that was in, you know, I mean, for all we know, it could have been Abel Ferrara being pretentious as shit yeah. you know, or disguising his lack of a budget by being pretentious as shit. I, I haven't seen it. So, so I can't judge on that. You know, it, it really makes a good triple feature. If you play it with um, the New York Ripper and Maniac. Yeah. I was thinking about saying double features with Maniac. Yes. <laughs> I was just about to say yeah. that. 
That's uh, that's potent. That would that easy would be, New York. Yeah, that would be that would be a, a good solid triple for sure. The um, or if you want to go to other sorts of drill killers, uh, the Sleep Summer Party Massacre trilogy is all on uh, is all on Shutter and Prime as well. Uh, yeah. Totally different type of movie, like 100%. But the drill or killer, usually where I, I pop into Slumber Party Massacre instead. <laughs> uh, which are, you said, on streaming as, as such. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cody, do you have anything else, a uh, second recommendation for us? I'll go ahead and keep the Fulci theme going. Uh, zombie, also streaming on Net- uh, not, not Netflix, but uh, Shutter. Shutter. Yeah. I mean, a probably one of my it's one of my all-time favorite zombie movies um i love the gore and the designs of the zombies Fulci's zombies are so repugnant and nasty looking that they're really they're really a sight to behold like the 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 famous one on the on the box cover is one of one of the best looking zombies absolutely yeah like i i can't like you know not even like shit like the walking dead now can do as good as that i mean the walking dead has some pretty cool designs you know when they put effort into it and there there are a couple you know here and there but nothing really like strikes you like that that one that that kind of zombie exactly i mean you're talking you're talking again uh, the word iconic gets thrown around like used tissue paper way too much but that image of that zombie that is on the that was on the video box cover and on the one sheet poster and is on the dvd and blu-ray covers um is iconic it really is. There is something that is really that really resonates about the appearance of that. And I, one of the things I've always liked about Zombie is people, of course, derided it as a Dawn of the Dead ripoff. Which I mean, it was inspired by Dawn of the Dead's success. You know, is basically okay. Dawn of the Dead was huge. It was known as Zombie, so let's make another movie. Let's call it Zombie Two. Yeah, it's necessarily related, but I. Uh, it has such a distinctive and different tone. It is, you can really feel the decay in it. You get this whole sense of, of like hothouse sweatiness and decay and, uh, and kind of an, and an, a strain of, of the apocalyptic from it, you know? And I'd also contend it's one of, it's got some of Fulci's most atmospheric moments too, because you get, you get those wonderful long shots of just the zombies walking through the fog, um, you know, uh, towards the end of the film as they're starting to de- descend on the on the one building where everyone is holding themselves up. And those are shots that are just like, I mean, they're almost Luton-esque in their atmosphere. And then you get gut munching, you know? It's like a full meal deal, pardon the pun. The very, uh, shot of when that- puns, I had to jump in with a very iconic <laughs> uh, all this right now. <laughs> oh yeah i yeah the the best eye trauma scene in, in a horror movie ever oh yeah i used to have a, a zombie sweater uh hoodie that i used to wear around until it got ripped bought it at fango con and before uh that i wore until it fell apart <laughs> oh dude yeah. But even the scene where the the you know the the more iconic zombie pops out of the ground is so well done. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it has gravitas to it. Like you're you're waiting to see that zombie, and they 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 make it worth the wait. Yeah. Not to mention the big the big fat zombie in the beginning. He's fucking horrible looking, and it's great. Yeah. I the other thing that I you know I also love that I mean it again it's a really well done movie and but I also I just love that it like epitomizes 
like the everything but the kitchen sink exploitation spirit of of the 70s and 80s so perfectly i mean you in one scene you have a topless skin diver being attacked by a zombie underwater who is in turn attacked by a shark and has his zombie arm ripped off. I mean, how much more perfectly grindhouse and exploitation can you get? That's like the, the penultimate combination of like sex, violence, horror, exploitation. It's, it's one of those moments that, I mean, when I saw it, um, amazingly enough, I did not get to see it in a theater first run, but I tried, I tried. But for the first and only time probably in the theater's history, the Parkland Theater that I went to actually would not let me in because the movie was unrated. I was with my mom and she's like, well, can, you know, I'm like, well, can't we come in and watch the movie? He's like, no, you're under 18. You cannot see it. You know, and I'm like, fuck. So I had to watch it on VHS like most everybody else. Um, but yeah, love it. Love, love, love it. Great choice. Great call. Thank you. And for my other pick, I'm going to leave horror completely, not even halfway in there, uh, with another entertainingly bad movie from 1991. In this case, moving up a year from uh, from Nothing But Trouble, also streaming on Tubi in a couple different places. Uh, we're looking at uh, Hudson Hawk. Oh, my God. Which I recently watched uh, last month uh, in my work through stuff from How This Get Made, because that's what I do. Uh, where it <laughs> In this case, it, we were, uh, let me pull back up. That I have my information here because I was actually writing a review for it earlier because uh, that's how far behind I am my, my daily review blog. Uh, where, yeah, written by Stephen D'Souza and Daniel Waters from an idea from Bruce Willis and Robert Kraft and directed by Michael Lehman. Oh, yeah, it's on two. Yeah. So you got you get good people there making this awful movie uh, where, oh, I just want to mention, so this was notorious for Big Bomb big majorly panned it's the worst movie from 1991 so whenever that year gets pulled in the worst movie of the year we'll talk about it then uh in more detail or me and whoever wants to watch it with me uh but it's one of those interesting as a vanity project for bruce willis where he's trying to create himself a, a new character it's not john mcclain that he can try and like jump off into a franchise with and he's trying to make it really cool with him and danny leo uh and it just doesn't work you get a lot of really dumb set pieces you get a lot of uh, it wants to be Ocean's Eleven, and it ends like it ends up like Ocean's Twelve, uh, where this how much it doesn't work uh, yeah. with this plan of trying to. It's this really convoluted plan of them trying to find three. They're forced to work by Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhardt, who are the only people who seem to realize that they're in this awful movie. So they are chewing the scenery and having a great time, even though both have said in interviews later it's the biggest piece of shit either of them ever did. But they were aware of it when they were working on it, so they didn't care, and it really showed. Uh, whereas Bruce Willis and Danny Aleo and Andy McDowell all think they're making something better than they're making, uh, and it's and it's just it doesn't work when they try. So they're trying to put together this plan that this this diamond thing that's going to turn uh, gold into lead, you know, alchemy type thing uh, that Da Vinci made and then then destroyed, and now they're trying to piece it all together. Uh, but the way it goes about it is just this giant mess uh, with set pieces that are supposed to be funny but come off really awkward. Uh, things that don't make sense within the course of a scene. Uh, you get these dumb jokes about these assassins who have names of candy bars. Uh, with David Caruso is one who 
it actually does have a couple laughs out of him because he doesn't speak. So he keeps giving away these note cards that has exactly reason to say on it. And when he dies, he gets covered in them and he's, uh, he's mimicking everyone around him too, but being nothing to the plot. Uh, it's a lot of really non odd, non sequitur, just like, a uh, nothing but trouble had, uh, but yet it's entertaining and, and how it doesn't work. Uh, I love, vanity projects that that fail um well they're fascinating yeah they're fascinating because i mean for better or for worse at least you're getting you're getting the an undiluted vantage point on 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 a project whereas i think so much of what's done today is focus group to death and homogenized and goes through the goes through like the major studio and the and the the producers you know meat grinder that you know what comes out at the other end is just bland you yeah, know. There's nothing like Hudson Hawk or nothing but trouble. You have no one to say no. You have no one. You have no focus group. It's done yeah. and it's done. And oops, we have a bomb in our hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, and I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, we're in an era where it's, you know, everything is so second guessed. Every single, you know, movie that, that comes out of mainstream Hollywood is so second guessed and so targeted towards like, you know, usually the broadest possible demographic that when, when something sinks like a, things don't, Things don't sink like a stone as high profile as that most of the time today. You know, you get exceptions like cats, but I mean, stuff like Hudson Hawk, it's a product of its time for good and for ill, you know, and I, I that, that's just fascinating. I'm, I'm actually, I haven't thought of that movie in ages and now I'm intrigued and I want to watch it. But you can find it on Tubi streaming. With his ads. Uh, I mean, it's always good to watch Danny Aleo. He always gives everything, even if it's a shitty movie. Uh, yeah. So he's always fun. And I love Richard E. Grant. I love him so much. He's my like my favorite underappreciated. Well, I have a lot of favorite underappreciated actors. Uh, and he is appreciated by like, you know, people who under, who really like film and big cult movie fans. He shows up a lot on various yeah. things with Neil and I and oh, God, all yes. over Doctor Who. And <laughs> uh, I, I love seeing him in Rise of Skywalker. I was like, I yeah, you guys are with me, but when he showed up on screen, it's like, ooh! <laughs> and I think it's you know, the only person in the theater reacted when he showed up compared <laughs> to oh. anyone else. Yeah. Um, but uh, so he, he, he given this, you know, scenery-chewing performance with, with Sandra Bernhardt is just wonderful. Every time he's on, on, on screen, it's kind of livens up everything. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's my second recommendation was that. It looks like we're not getting to come back. We just got a message from her saying at a power outage in her area or oh, an internet outage. Internet outage in her area. So we won't get her second Damn. Uh, option this week, but such is life, fortunately. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to hear her on Sunday on Worst Movie of the Year when you talk about uh, Shawning and Sharon Tate. And then, which, but don't leave the Latin with Jennifer Lovely whenever those go up. So, uh, but also, since she can't plug it for herself, if you don't want to hear Kim talking on more places about other things that aren't horror films, there's uh, Ghoulish Tendencies podcast. It goes up every other Tuesday. Latest episode looked at the Jersey Devil, which I was going to make a reference to when talking about nothing but trouble, but she unfortunately she left us. But uh, any any other notes, comments, suggestions? Uh, you want out there quickly before we wrap up this shorter episode? But I'm I'm good. I'm Me good. too. Yeah, lovely to see you guys as always. Of course, I do look forward to seeing y'all in person again. Uh, you know, Tony will probably come out sometime this week. I've yeah. Now I watched uh, the third movie from the Barber Steel Collection. Now I got to watch uh, Chris Miller, and then once I watch that, I'll pop up oh, and, right on yeah, i'm thanks. looking forward to hearing about them what yeah, you think i watch that next day or two so awesome uh, then we'll 
Well, Cody, eventually you will be able to head north again. We'll see you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Still pinned down here in uh, Tacoma. Uh, but to anyone listening at home, thank you for listening to us blather on about great movies to stream. If there's anything particular you want to recommend, go ahead and you know, comment, share, subscribe. We're on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts are there. CFGeek.com, Facebook.com slash CFGeek, Worst Movie of the Year, .transistor.fm for our other podcasts. Uh, listen to Tony tomorrow for the uh, for that panel. We'll put the link up for that. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Sounds good. Oh. Tony, and...